So it's the 7th of March, uh, 2021, today. And now we'll uh, train ourselves um, in developing this collectiveness of mind, what we call samadhi. In uh, training the mind to have a strong foundation. So this uh, samadhi, it's bringing the mind to a firm place, and it's very important. Um, In all of us, we have this foundation of sila, of virtue, already whether we're taking up the five precepts, the eight precepts, the ten precepts, or the 227 precepts. And all of these are the training um, to collect and compose our body and our speech within boundaries, uh, following following what's appropriate in line with our status, with our situation. And so for... Most of us, so we keep the five precepts as the normal standard. And then when we have the opportunity, we can take up the eight precepts, uh, perhaps on a lunar observance days, maybe in the weekend. And for those who have faith, um, they're able to ordain as a nun or a siladara, as a samanera or a samaneri. And uh, for those who have Um, a lot of energy of heart um, have this firm intention and have a high goal to see the Dhamma, to know this, to attain to the truth. And they can take ordination as a monk. And this gives us good opportunity, the time, to study uh, the Dhamma and the Vinaya. It gives us the time to practice. Um, And for novices, um, they get support from the laity that all the four requisites of robes, of food, of lodgings and medicine, um, these get given to them. And the laity are ready to support them. But whatever the case, no matter what situation we're in, we're able to develop samadhi. It's not something that's tied up with being a male or a female, with being um, old or young, or even with what religion we take up or we believe in, that all of us are able to train our minds to have this foundation of samadhi, that we can all be mindful of our breath and take up this in-breath and out-breath as the object of our minds. So in doing this, if we know that we're of the nature, we're of the habit and to become drowsy, that if there's something that very easily happens, our minds get into quite a, a lethargic state quite easily, um, then we should bring up um, something else to keep our minds there. So like we can try counting along with the breath. So when we breathe in, one, two, three, four, five, do this, for example, so that we don't forget our breath. But there are some people who, even though they're counting, even though they may be chanting, um, they still get pulled off into drowsiness, into lethargy. So really need to be careful in that case. And don't close your eyes, just keep them open. If you know that you're likely to get sleepy, then leave your eyes open and count along with the breath very, very quickly. And uh, we bring the mind and our awareness to just one point in this way. And in doing so, 
all of the hindrances that were once there in our hearts, the scattered nature or annoyance, aversion, uh, finding pleasure in sense objects, um, these become distant from our hearts. And these are the things which prevent our minds from gathering into peace. So we need to try to train in samadhi like this together. And uh, the monks and the novices, um, we train in samadhi and we can say that this is really the true work of a monastic. And even though many people, uh, maybe laity, maybe lay people as well, um, but still it's necessary to train in this. And why is that the case? Because it's normal in the condition that we're in for suffering to arise. And that's because our minds still have uh, craving and clinging. And this is why stress, difficulties arise in our hearts. So if we look at our minds, then we'll observe that when they meet with a sense impression that they dislike, then suffering arises. When we become separated from the things that we like and love, then we feel suffering. When we're with people who we dislike, then we suffer. When we don't get what we want, then we suffer. And uh, we also can see that this mind is uh, for now um, here with this body, but this body doesn't really follow its wishes. It doesn't take orders so well. And uh, nowadays we have a lot of technology and this is becoming very developed and we're able to order that technology about. We can turn on and off lights in this way, turn on heaters and air conditioning units. And uh, they take our orders, they follow our wishes. But something that we're not able to control is to prevent the body from becoming old, from getting sick and from dying. This is something that we simply can't do. And the reason that we can't do it is because its truth is to be that way. So if we don't have a well-established mind, then wisdom simply can't arise. Uh, but if our mindfulness is present, then wisdom will come up as well. And so with mindfulness, then there's the arising of wisdom. And with lack of mindfulness, there's the arising of problems. So we need to train ourselves. And the reason that we have problems, the reason we have difficulties, stress, is because we don't have enough mindfulness. And uh, so if we don't put our efforts into this, then we'll never gain wisdom. So it requires our efforts, it requires our intention um, to train to have mindfulness in the body, or to have mindfulness in the feelings and the thoughts that arise. And this is what we call Vedana. This is uh, Vedana Nupasana Satipatthana, uh, which is having mindfulness over these feelings, um, looking at these feelings. So we can see that these different feelings arise within the body. If the body's hot, the body's cool, and then we know that. There are pleasant feelings, there are unpleasant feelings that arise, and these come up in the mind as well. So if it's too hot, 
and we don't have anything to relieve that heat, then suffering arises in the body. And then this usually gets sent to the mind. And it's the same with cold, with uh, the weather being very cold as well, that suffering arises in the body and then this gets sent to the mind. And if we're very hungry, then there's hunger in the body and then this painful feeling gets sent to the mind. And if we don't train our minds, um, then they'll always be in an agitated state, always trying to struggle away, trying to wriggle out of this. So therefore we should have mindfulness um, in these feelings, in Vedana, that when these Vedana arise, if we're not cautious, uh, then craving and clinging will come up as well. So when a feeling comes up um, that we dislike, then we should have mindfulness there, knowing it. If there's a feeling which we do like, uh, sukha vedana, then we have mindfulness over that as well. And we try to bring our awareness so it's up to speed with all of these feelings, knowing them as they arise. Uh, because if these vedana come up and then there's proliferation, and then there's craving and clinging, this all becomes a cause for suffering. So as practitioners, we need to try to develop our mindfulness and really be aware of our minds. Whether we're standing, walking, sitting, lying down, whether we're speaking, we're listening, we're thinking, we try to remain mindful. And also, while we're doing our work, our occupations, we train in mindfulness as well. Always looking, being aware, of these feelings that come up continually. That if at our workplace we are in charge with the boss or we may be uh, the employees, or when we're with just our workmates, our colleagues, then it's natural that we'll meet with different problems. So in the space of one day, we can see that pleasant feelings, unpleasant feelings, neutral feelings, these come up constantly, we meet with these throughout the entire day. When our eye sees a form, when the ear hears a sound, or when we taste something, when we smell something, we touch something, or a, a thought or an emotion arises within the mind, and this is all pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral feeling, Vedana, arising. So we try to maintain our mindfulness, to hold our awareness here and teach our minds ask ourselves why would we want to attach to these things? Why would we want to get involved in love or hate and anger? Ask ourselves, is this feeling, this pleasant feeling, is that me? Is this unpleasant feeling me? And when we've noticed this already, um, then we'll be able to, to keep up with it. That when pleasant feeling arises, then we have mindfulness there knowing. And uh, we see that before, this unpleasant feeling didn't exist. And it's only just now that it's come up. Uh, but when it comes up, then we attach to it. And after no long time, this pleasant feeling, this happiness, this will fade away. And so all of these feelings, whether pleasant or unpleasant, this all happens to them. They all arise and they cease. And when they cease, then there's nothing left. 
And we can think of all the pleasant experiences, all the pleasant feelings, emotions we've had before. Where are they now? You see that they're just not here. They've arisen already. They've ceased already. It's the same with unpleasant feelings, with suffering. The, the suffering that we've experienced in the past, this has already come and gone. And also feelings which are neither pleasant nor unpleasant, these too have come and gone. So if we try to reflect upon these things constantly, using our mindfulness, using our samadhi, and then we'll be able to see that these feelings are merely feelings. And by saying that they're merely feelings, they're just Vedana, what that means is that we suppose that these things are feelings. That these feelings of pleasure, of displeasure, or neutral feelings, that really they aren't anything at all. They're things that just come and go. Their eyes stay for a short while and then they cease. They're just a phenomena that appears for a period of time. And so perhaps there may be desire or enjoyment of a sight or a sound or an odor or a tactile sensation, a thought, or there may be aversion towards this. Um, and there can also be joy and pleasure that arises from the practice. And so the happiness which comes from, from pity, from this joy, this pleasant feeling that comes from that, that comes from the peace of heart, these too can arise due to the samadhi that we have developed. But we should also get to know this, to be aware of it. That when, even though there may be a lot of rapture, we still see that. We still try to understand that this rapture is something that comes and goes as well. Or the happiness that we get from samadhi, this too arises and ceases. But we do need to rely upon this joy, this happiness, this peace so that we are able to get to know and understand the truth of things, that really everything arises and ceases. All the things that our mind is attached to is being me and mine, that I am happy, I am unhappy, or I am experiencing a neutral feeling, that really all three of these things we should see that they're not self. You should see that there's something constant, there's something not sure, they're um, unreliable. And it's not appropriate for us to attach to any of them. So see that they're just Vedana, they're just feelings. And if we're able to understand that, if we're able to perceive that, then the heart will feel at ease. This wisdom arises, this inner nature of knowing, uh, the one who knows will come up and we're able to let go of things. And uh, when we're able to let go, and when there's this one who knows taking care of the heart, then craving and clinging just won't arise. But sometimes these feelings have already come up. And it's very quick uh, what happens after that. This feeling comes up, and then almost immediately there's craving, there's clinging arising as well. And then, so we go and attach to these things. And so here we need to teach our minds not to attach. Tell ourselves that pleasure is not sure, displeasure is not sure, that we shouldn't attach to them. 
And Lumpur Chah gave a very nice comparison. He said that pleasure, happiness, it's like the tail of a snake. And when we look at that tail, we don't feel like it's something very dangerous. We see that there's no venom there. But if we go and touch it, if we hold on to it, we cling to it, then very quickly uh, the head will come around and bite us. And a lot of suffering comes up. But if we see the head first, however, we know that there's venom there within it. And so we don't want to get anywhere near it. We don't want to attach to it. We want it to go away. But this too is another form of desire, another form of craving that's coming up in the mind as well. So the happiness that we experience um, is that which makes our minds get distracted and get deluded, get lost. And uh, so it's like when our bodies are very strong, then we feel that they're a source of happiness for us. If our teeth are still very strong, they're still hard, they're still working well, then we're able to chew our food, even though it may be very hard food, and we can eat at ease. And we don't see the suffering there within them. But one day, however, when problems start arising, then that's when we'll see the pain there. And so when we're feeling at ease, when these things are strong and working well, then it's very easy to get deluded. It's very easy to get amused in them. Uh, to get uh, caught up and uh, deluded by these bodies. To become heedless. And so we need to think, to contemplate, um, to see that really the body isn't going to be this way forever. And that it needs to deteriorate, that it needs to change that actually this change is something which is happening constantly. That before, it used to work very well, it was very convenient, but in the future, it won't be that way. That the cells start to deteriorate, the organs start to deteriorate in line with our age. So therefore, when we have any feeling, whether it's uh, pleasurable, unpleasurable, or neutral that comes up, we need to maintain our awareness and look at it. Look at our minds, teach our minds, tell them that these things are not sure, they're inconstant, that we shouldn't attach to them. And why shouldn't we, atta why shouldn't we attach to them? Well, because we won't feel any peace if we do. So this training of our mind is something that's very important because the Buddha taught us that we've got suffering awaiting for us, that what's there for us in the future is stress, is pain. We need to experience this, we need to meet with this. And for example, the pain that arises uh, from old age, from the body that's deteriorating, that's close to death. Uh, the stress that we feel from having to be with things that we don't like. So the very last teaching that the Buddha gave was not to be heedless. So all of us should try to follow this, to not be heedless to try our utmost to be heedful. So when we have this good opportunity now to come and take part in this meditation retreat, we shouldn't be heedless, but rather use this very well uh, to study and get to know our own minds. Because all of us want to see the Dhamma. All of us want to gain samadhi, to be mindful. 
And uh, all of us know that this path of practice, this noble path of sila, samadhi and panya, of virtue, of collectiveness of mind and of wisdom is that which leads us out of suffering. But in order to walk along this, we need to try. We need to put in our efforts. But none of this is beyond our ability. It's something that we're all capable of doing. All of us can see the Dhamma. We're able to free ourselves from suffering due to effort. And so may all of you be sincere in this. And so if when you're meditating and you have a mantra that you're reciting and the mind isn't firm, it's not stable in that, it's not peaceful, then try contemplating instead. There's no need to doubt about this practice. So some people like to reflect upon the unattractive nature of this body, others upon death, uh, that life is not certain. So whatever brings the mind to peace, then we should do that. Use whatever meditation object works to bring our hearts to calm. Or we can contemplate into the body, into the feelings of the body, that these things, they're not me, they're not mine. And when the mind is peaceful, then we'll get to know the reality of physicality and mentality, that these things are not me, they're not mine, they're not a being. And one day we'll see this clearly. And in seeing this clearly, this itself is knowing the Dhamma. So another way that um, I could explain it that's quite easy to understand, it's like we've forgotten something. Um, Say a notebook, which we've written a lot of notes in, something that's very important to us. And so we've lost that, and we try to find it. And we're looking for it um, for many, many days, trying to find out where it is, um, trying to uh, get this notebook back. And so no matter how hard we look for it, we just don't see it. And we may get the feeling like we're never going to find it. So we try to think about what we'd written down in that notebook, um, but it's hard for us to to remember. Um, But one day we get the feeling that we remember where it is. And even though we've looked in that place many times, uh, we really feel like it is there. We've looked there many times, but actually that notebook um, has been covered up by many other things. Um, So we just haven't seen it. But we get that intuition that it's there, and we follow that, we look for it, and we're able to find it. And so it's the same with practicing the Dhamma, that we put our efforts into it, we contemplate, and we just carry on doing this, and eventually the mind will become peaceful. And here we contemplate into the nature of physicality and mentality that these things are not sure. And so we get the feeling that these things, they're really unstable, they're not me. Um, But initially this is something that's quite unclear. But still we get the feeling that it is that way. And just like how we get that feeling that the notebook is there, um, so too we get this feeling um, that the truth is right here. And as we carry on searching for it in that spot, then we'll find it. So we should really look. So just like having mindfulness and contemplating in the body, we look uh, at the body 
And as we do this, we'll need, it's um, going to happen, that we're going to see the inconstancy of this thing. Because the body is something that's already inconstant. So all of you should look, should use this peaceful heart uh, to look and see the truth. So in training, in practicing, in meditation, um, this is a really high form of merit. And all of us have made a lot of merit already. Uh, We've built up our dana barami, uh, this perfection of generosity. We've sacrificed a lot. We've helped to spread the dhamma, helped to support uh, the Buddhist religion. And we all look after our virtue, our precepts well. And so now we come to train our minds to cultivate them, to make them peaceful, to contemplate anicca, dukkha, anatta, this inconstancy, stress, and not self. And we can take these as the objects of our mind. Or we contemplate emptiness. And uh, if our minds are really agitated, if they're just not still, then contemplating emptiness can be quite effective. We can recite the word nibbanang, nibbanang, or recite empty, 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 or nibbana. And nibbana is the state in which the mind isn't attached to anything, it's not clinging to anything. It doesn't have any upadana. And when we experience this, it's mostly a temporary nibbana, this temporary freedom from attachment. So we should really train our minds. And when there's a lot of emptiness in the mind, then it will gather together and we'll see things clearly. We'll see that in truth, all physical and mental phenomena are not self. And so may all of you be sincere in this way, to carry on practicing every single day, to not retreat, to not let up. Uh, But maintain your faith, your conviction in this practice that if you do it, you will attain and see the Dhamma. And it's really not something that's difficult to come up, this knowledge of truth. It's something that happens in a single moment. And for myself, I had an experience of this um, which taught me that listening to the Dhamma is very important. Uh, that I was listening to a talk that a monk gave and he was uh, bringing up an example of one of Lumpur Cha's teachings uh, that ought to do with conventions and liberation. Uh, that everything in this world, everything is a convention. Uh, that really there aren't any names there. There's no glass, there's no Dhamma hall, there's no house, there's no male, there's no female that none of these things actually have names to them, that they're all just conventions. These are the things which the mind creates. Uh, But when the mind is still, then it doesn't give rise to this proliferation. And so my mind was in quite a gathered state, and I could really see that these things don't actually exist, and that these things really are inconstant. This knowledge arose, and my mind became very bright and radiant, and joy flooded my heart uh, for three days and three nights. There was this great feeling of fullness of heart due to seeing the Dhamma. And my faith became even more established than what it was before. So this is possible for all of us to experience this, because when I experienced this, I wasn't yet ordained as a monk. So therefore, all of us should try to practice together in this way. 
that we now have the time to do this. Um, and the Dhamma, it doesn't, it arises independent of time. It's a kaliko, it's timeless. And so we should try to do this, uh, to bring our attention and maintain this constantly. So faith is something that's really important. Uh, this faith is a bala, it's a power of our hearts and something we can use in our practice. And for monks who are able to stay in the robes for many years, whether it's three years, five years, ten years, this is something that's not easy. And we need to rely on our faith to do this. It requires strong faith, it's something that's tough. So therefore all of us um, should try to, to practice, to bring up by effort. And even though this practice isn't, it's not oftentimes, it's not easy, and still we persist with it. So having created a lot of merit already, we need to now come to focus our attention on this practice. Uh, to really use this faith that we have. And so may all of you see the Dhamma, may all of you attain to the Dhamma. <laughs>